this is Meat Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show, a show where we talk about all of the things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and revival show. If you want to jump in the show this evening, here's your contact info to do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, TheBBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now is the second Tuesday of the month, and that brings a visit from the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue grilling website on the face of the earth, Meathead, from AmazingRibs.com. There he is in the green room and ready to go. After Meathead, sorry, let me pimp him a little bit. Last month, we had a rather looming technical issue, which took the balance of his segment We were going to be doing a little myth-busting, which we love to do with Meathead, which he loves to do, hence that fabulous book that he wrote a number of years ago to raging accolades and success and riches. Water pans, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And boy, I can't tell you the number of times, and I'll bring this up with Meathead when we talk to him here in a few minutes, with people who have water pans, Traditionally, you'll find them in upright smokers, cabinet-style smokers. Not always. Uh, People will drop bread pans full of water in their offset pits, things like this. But the thing that I find to be the most annoying about people talking about their lovely water pans, most of the time, they're full of it. When they're talking about, oh, and the increased humidity in the cooking environment, my cooker. No, no, no. But we'll get into that a little later. It can happen, but most of the time it's not happening. I'll leave it up to you in the instant chat before Meathead comes in. Why only sometimes can you have a really humid cooking environment when a lot of cookers have water pants? Think about it and then make your guesses. We'll see who's smart and who isn't as the show moves forward. Then after Meathead, 35 past the hour, we would usually find a visit from Robert Moss. He is unable to make it this evening, doing a bountiful amount of traveling across this great land of ours. 
but filling in for him, a writer nonetheless, a good friend of ours from the great state of Texas, and the food writer, and I think he does sports too sometimes, from the San Antonio Express News, Chuck Blount will rejoin the show. Well, what's to talk about in Texas? We will quickly review if smoked hamburgers continues to be a thing on barbecue restaurant menus down there in Texas. We'll also talk about how the barbecue seems to be the place to go to thieve briskets by the thousands of dollars worth and see what's happening with that story. Also, we'll talk about how much brisket per pound is costing out there and it will blow your mind. And are people paying it or are restaurants finally feeling it? And not only volume of guests being served, but where it counts, top line revenue. So Chuck will be in there to wrap the first hour with us. Then we'll move to the second hour, and it will be a visit from one of the four Barbecue Hall of Famers. This will now complete 50% of that task, getting them in, interviewing them about this lifetime achievement. Leanne Whippen will join the show. So right off the bat, we will talk about the achievement, getting in, what some of her fellow Hall of Fame members mean to her, or if any of stand out above the crowd. And then after that, we won't spend a ton of time on that. We will do a origin story of one Leanne Whippen. And it's unique because Leanne Whippen has been with this show pretty much from the beginning, even when it was just a podcast associated with one of the most popular episodes ever in the history of the show, which was the very first brisket roundtable competition style. Her, Jim Minion, Fast Eddie. And who, who am I not thinking of right off the top of my head? It was, oh, oh my, sorry. It's oh, Ray Lampy. You ever heard of Dr. Barbie? Sorry, Ray. Had a senior moment. So she was a part of that. Believe it or not, back in 2006, when I asked people if they were using Wagyu beef, they all laughed at it like it was the biggest joke ever. <laughs> who would use that? outrageous. Nobody's using that. That'll never be a thing. Well, how times have changed. So Leanne Whippen will take the balance of the second hour, maybe a little bit over into the 11 o'clock hour, but we'll see about that. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the Snap Snaps at BBQ Central Show is the handle for live video feed. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also over on YouTube slash RD Rempe, automatically archived as the show ends, so you can get it at your convenience as well. And, of course, we are live audibly on Clubhouse as well. So let's start here this evening. Many of you have emailed in over the past week asking if the chocolate bar incident of 2020 has been rectified on the chocolate bar side. Have they gotten in contact with me to discuss the well-done steak controversy? The long and the short of it is no, they have not. Get that big stuff out of here. In full disclosure, I didn't expect them to get in contact with me, even though I have tagged them in every way possible on every social platform to let them know what kind of douchebaggery was taking place when we were there as patrons almost two weeks ago. But I did post the video, as I had mentioned on social media, to warn those who might be coming in town and considering this place to eat to... Think twice about it, especially if you are a well-done steak fan. I don't know if we have a lot of those here on the show, but I was with a well-done steak fan when we went there almost two weeks ago. Here's the bottom line. I reached out 
to the main food writer here in Cleveland, no names please, rule number one to the show, and I asked him if he had ever experienced this type of behavior anywhere in Cleveland, and he said, Greg, the real tragedy here is that you decided to go to the chocolate bar when there are so many better options right here in Cleveland and so close. Enough said. However, I will report back with any updates as they happen. Feedback from the show last week. Michelle in Phoenix writing in. Hi, Greg. Longtime fan of the show. Finally compelled to write in on your well-done steak rant last week. I think it was a bit clat. <laughs> I think it was a bit classless for you to go that hard at one of your local businesses. If it were me, I just would have said nothing at all and not gone back. Just my two cents. Love the show. Regards, Michelle. Michelle, thank you for your two cents. Nobody asked. It's entertainment, and I'm here to warn people as they come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city about places that might decide how they want to serve your food that you're paying for. I want to make people aware of that. So that's why I did it. Continue to love the show, but you're wrong. Jason in Missouri writing in, Greg, I know you are an audio freak when it comes to the show. Allow me to tell you that this show, that the show this past Tuesday might have been the pinnacle of sound in all the history of the show. Each guest sounded like they were right in studio with you. Maybe some think your standard of audio for each guest is a bit overboard. But as a longtime listener, I can tell you I really appreciate it. I listen to plenty of other podcasts that don't even approach your sound standard. Keep up the great work. Regards, Jason. Jason, thank you. Richard in New York City. Greg, am I the only one? Her, 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 trouble with talking this evening out right out of the gate, but hopefully that clears up. Let me try again. Greg, am I the only one who heard you name drop Michael Simon like it was just common occurrences? Dude, how cool is that? I wish I could message people like that on the regular. Love the show and screw those people at the chocolate bar. Regards, Rich. Rich, you are right on both accounts. Very cool to be me sometimes. And in that occasion, very cool to be me. And you're right. Screw. Actually, just the manager. Not anybody else. The food was actually serviceable. The server was spectacular. But screw the house manager. I'm with you, Rich. Meathead is in the green room, probably wondering, what's all this chocolate bar stuff? What's the first thing you think about when you think of Maine? Well, here at Barbecue Central, I can tell you that it would not be barbecue until now. Bub and Mothers is a veteran-owned dry rub company with a main attitude and a mission. What exactly does that mean? Let me break it down for you. Gourmet. Bub and Mother's Splice Blends have been handcrafted using 100% natural ingredients. Each batch is sampled by the founder himself, John Furman, before any bottles are shipped to the stores or their fans. These rubs won the International Flavor Awards two years in a row, were used as guest judge gifts on the show Beat Bobby Flay have been used in competition, resulting in multiple calls. Dare I say grand championships? I won't say. Attitude. Maine folks don't like buying things that can only be used for one purpose. So while these rubs will were blended to be used on anything that used to have fur fins or feathers, 
The fans send in photos, recipes, and emails using the rubs on everything from avocado toast to fried zucchini. One of the restaurants that we supply uses the rubs to make different cocktails. Yes, many of these recipes available on the website, bubnmothers.com. That's B-U-B in the letter N-M-U-T-H-A-S, bubnmothers.com. Finally, the mission. As a veteran-owned company, Bub and Mothers works with area veteran charities, donating a part of every single sale. In addition, as they grow, the commitment is to try and hire area vets to full-time positions with the company. In addition, any order over 50 bucks gets you a free T-shirt. No codes to enter, no coupons needed when you check out. Just tell them which shirt and what size. And put that info in the note section to check out. The T-shirt... Rubs, other blends are at bubandmothers.com. That's B-U-B, the letter N, M-U-T-H-A-S, bubandmothers.com. And tell them the Barbecue Central Show and Greg Rempe sent you. Maybe they'll even hook you up with something a little extra. Who knows? Bubandmothers.com. And we're back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also peruse that website to see all the other goodies they have to make your smoked meats a little more smokier. Why not? All right, let's not waste any time because that's all we did last month. Let's go to the hotline and welcome back the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth, Meathead. Hey, Meathead. Hello, Greg, and hello, Centralites. We are rocking and rolling. I am... I'm back. I am burning. Sorry about last month. Oh, well, look, every once in a while, we have a little bit of an issue. We've worked through it. In fact, might I say... Through the issues of last month, we've bettered the process and might now have a better uh, overall sound product and instructions now being sent out to every guest with screenshots. I followed your instructions. I came in here 15 minutes early and went through them step by step. And we are alive and we are here. And it's worth noting, in the 10 plus years or so that you and I have been talking once a month, last week was the first time. We have gone down in flames. That's right. Technically, of course, there was that one time that you slept through the segment, but we won't mention that. We won't mention that. That never happened. All right, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com joining us here on the show. Before we talk about water pans, are you watching Barbecue USA with Michael Simon? I haven't yet, but I intend to, especially since he was on uh, Jeff Tracy's show recently. Jeff has an over-the-air broadcast, and you know Jeff, and you know Michael. And 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 he said his favorite book is my book. Beatheads, so, or uh, Michael yeah. Simon said that? My, Michael Simon, yes. 
Wow. Yeah, how about that? So that's very cool. I can't believe I Jeff Tracy got Michael Simon on a show. I've been really humping. Uh, on, wow, on look my at new you. Book. But really humping? <laughs> Good job. Working on my new book. And in fact, you mentioned Maine. What do you think of Maine? You don't think of Maine for barbecue? I do because barbecue lobster, grilled lobster, is better than boiled or steamed lobster. Of course. When you boil lobster, water is a solvent. It extracts flavor from the meat. It does make it more tender. And if you grill lobster, you split it in half and put it the meat side down, you'll get a much more flavorful piece of meat. It's a little chewier, but it's much better in my world. Mm. And in fact, Friday, I'm doing two lobster recipes for photography for my book. All right. Uh, Meathead joining us from AmazingRibs.com. You know, of course, I want to dive down that book rabbit hole quicker than anybody else, yeah. but I'm going to not do that this evening. It's because moving, we have dude. I'm meeting three days a week with my photo stylist, and we are deep into photography, and it's coming out good. Tonight, we do a little myth-busting because that's what everybody likes Meathead to do, myth-busting. And we are myth-busting water pans and humidity. They don't do what you think they do, at least most of the time. So I will now right. turn the floor or and the stage and the mic and all that over to you. Well, you've already stolen my thunder. Let's let's Not let's really. let's let's divide the topic into two parts. All right. Drip pans and water pans. Okay. Now drip pans will take the easy path first. Drip pans are a pan you place under food with a little bit of water in there to catch the drippings. Now, for example, thank you. My turkey recipe uses, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, folks. Greg is showing it. But I put a pan under my turkey filled with chopped carrots and celery and apples and herbs and a bottle of wine. And the drippings from the turkey go into that pan and they build a stock. And I drain that pan, filter out all the stuff, and you end up with this incredible stock. And you can do it with a roast beef. You can do it with your brisket and you can put beans under there. So you can put a pan underneath your meat or vegetables and catch the drippings, and that's a really good technique. It can also sit between the meat and the fire so that it becomes essentially a heat blocker so that you can cook with indirect heat if you need to, if your configuration doesn't allow you to. Also, there's this, he's also showing a picture of the slow and sear which is an insert into the Weber kettle, which has a dam, a water dam, between the charcoal and the indirect zone, and that puts humidity in the air. So now let's talk about water pans and humidity. First of all, what's really important to understand is that when you're burning charcoal or you're burning gas or you're burning logs, you're using a lot of oxygen there is a massive amount of air moving in and out of your cooker. Um, it, it, uh, one of my readers actually uh, of a scientific bent had a, uh, has a Peoria offset cooker mm -hmm. and uh, he measured at, he was cooking at 250 degrees. The airflow through that unit was 268 cubic feet per minute. Wow. That's a lot of air. And in fact, if you've got a chimney, 
you can put your hand above there and you can feel it's it's blowing through there. So for a water pan to build enough humidity inside that cooker, it would have to be massive and it would have to be hot and it would have to be steaming like crazy. The water that evaporates from that water pan is minuscule because you're, it, it's just not boiling in most cases. Um, and it, 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 it can't in any way raise the relative humidity of the air flowing through there. Um, not on this planet in any case. It is not a humidity adding device. It doesn't add moisture to the meat. And in fact, there's moisture evaporating from your meat. Make believe you got a brisket in there. It's 18 pounds. It's 75% water. That's maybe 15 pounds of water. It's evaporating and it's putting a lot of moisture into the atmosphere and it's going right out the stack. And that's why your um, brisket shrinks as you cook it. And there's no way you can stop it unless you can get the humidity up to 100%. And there are gadgets that do that. There's a gadget called the CVAP, which a lot of commercial restaurants use when they want to hold a brisket for hours and hours after they've cooked it. They'll put the brisket into the CVAP, which has 100% humidity, and it keeps it warm, and it prevents the moisture from evaporating and preserves the quantity of meat so that if they're delivering um, a half pound of meat, they're not losing a lot of money by evaporation. But your water pan does not humidify the atmosphere or keep the meat from drying out. What the water pan does do, and this is really cool, is it, it helps make your meat smokier. Now you think about this. If you take a brisket or a ribs or whatever out of the fridge at 38 degrees, that's what your fr fridge should be. A 38, you know, between 33 and 40 degrees, it should be about 38. 38 degrees, and you put it in a smoker, let's say, that's rolling along at 225. And you've got a water pan underneath it. The moisture that comes out of that water pan is going to condense on that meat, just like the steam does on the mirror when you get out of the shower. That condenses on the meat and wets the surface slightly. And when the, when the surface is wet, it's sticky and smoke sticks to it better. So it creates um, evaporative cooling, and it also makes the meat sticky and gets it smokier. And that's another reason why when you take meat out of the fridge, you should not let it sit around at room temp, because if it sits around at room temp, it warms up and you want to put cold meat into a smoker because it's going to get more condensation on it and attract more smoke. Could we measure this or do something statistically where we put a, I don't know, hygrometer in some kind of safe hygrometer inside of a bullet and fill the water pan with sand or foil balls and then fill the water pan with foil balls and uh, put them up against each other to see if there's a, a real noticeable spike in humidity, even if the water is not boiling? Because that's always been my main contention is if the water's not at a rolling boil, then it is only a heat sink and a fat drip catcher and that's about it 
Now, in a Myron Mixon yep. cooker where that fire is right underneath the water pan, you can see it uh, plenty of times where his water in the water pan is at a rolling boil. That's why you have to have a water connection on the side of that cooker to keep it continually filled up. Otherwise, that thing would be dry as a bone after a couple hours of having that fire right underneath it. But otherwise, in a bullet smoker, Weber Smoky Mountain, Charbroil, what have you, at best, it's a heat sink. It's certainly not something that's just puking humidity into the air. Well, you've just used another magic word, and that's another very important task that the water pan um, performs, and that is it's a heat sink. And what Greg means by heat sink is it absorbs energy. The water cannot rise above 212 degrees. That's its boiling point. It can only go to 212, and it stays there. Your meat cannot go above 212 because it's mostly water. So as the water pan goes up to 212, it tempers the energy coming from your smoker. And that's why the Weber Smoky Mountain has a water pan above the charcoal. Not just so much to add moisture to the atmosphere, but because it tempers the energy of the charcoal and keeps the temperature down, keeps it low and slow. So that's a very important thing. Yes, I'm sure one could do that measurement. And that's the other thing. A lot of people over on the Weber Smoky Mountain sites, they want to talk about putting um, sand or dirt or gravel or terracotta into their, um, into their pans. They do a decent job of acting as a heat sink and stabilizing, yep. but they don't stabilize as low as 212. Sand can go much hotter than that. Um, and the other thing is, is what should you put in your water pan? There's a reason we call it a water pan. You can put apple juice, wine, beer, whiskey, whatever you want in there. And the flavor compounds in wine, whiskey, apple juice are measured in parts per million. Um, there's very little flavor compound. If you want to add flavor to your meat, sprinkle it on with a rub. Uh, or a sauce. Nothing in that water pan is going to contribute to the flavor. You can throw onions in the water. You can do whatever you want. It just is not, under any circumstances, going to alter the meat in any significant way. Uh, what other things do we need to know about water pans? Well, they're a good idea. Um, and a lot of people wonder if they should use them, for example, on um, pellet smokers, and I re I recommend them whenever you can. A because they're a heat sink. B because they do put some degree of moisture onto the surface of the meat, and that helps smoke stick. Um, but um, uh, they, they are not keeping the moisture in the meat, making the meat moisture, and um, uh, preventing uh, evaporative evaporation. Have you seen? Folks that have some pretty decent offset pits, and I mean real offset cookers like close gator pits, uh, pits and spits, things like this, uh, where they might have an open baffle from the firebox into the main cooking chamber, and then they'll throw either a water pan on the top rack closest, or they might even butt it up against the baffle um, underneath the cooking uh, chamber or underneath the the, uh, the grates themselves to try and temper that heat coming in from the firebox. Does that actually work? I've seen that on reverse flows too. Um, reverse flows have like a false bottom yep. underneath the meat. And there's a, um, essentially a duct between the false bottom and the actual bottom of the, uh, the tube. 
and they put water pans on top of the uh, the uh, duct or the false bottom. Um, yeah, it, it it serves that effect, but again, it is not significant. I mean, man, offsets in particular. If you look at an offset that is running running smooth, making blue smoke, um, burning logs, the door to the combustion chamber is almost always wide open. I mean, they need air. I mean, they are—they just gulp air down. They are drinking air like a sailor uh, just landing in port. They are just slurping oxygen, and they are spitting it out through the chimney, and it's just blowing through there like a tornado. Let me ask you a completely different question. This has been raging over social media over the last month. You're probably not prepared for this, but you can talk about it because you're the expert. I got into it unknowingly with some guy named Dick Paste on the Ticker Talkers. And I, it, a, a month and change ago, I asked Malcolm Reed if he had ever used mayo on brisket. Uh, no, I asked him if he had ever used mayo as a binder on beef. I didn't even specifically say brisket. And then Deuce Raymond, who you know, uh, he's a nephew to Famous Dave, of course, he said, hey, I'm going to make a video of this. Try it out. Sounds interesting. He had mentioned me in the video, uh, maybe made it sound like that this was like my thing. Um, maybe not. But then all of a sudden, some guy picks up on it. I'm the one that started this, blah, blah, blah. My name's Dickie Paste, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Uh, and then my pal Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, a budding YouTube sensation, made another video he was just on last week talking about. It. What do you think about mayo as a binder on brisket? Well, let's just talk about mayo in general. Um, I don't know who this Dickie Pace guy is, but I've been talking about mayo on fish since about 2010. It's in my book, which was published in 2016. So, um, And I got the idea from a, um, a fish restaurant um, who was cooking fish that was really beautiful, and the skin was intact. And I was asking him, how do you keep the skin from sticking? And he says, you don't use oil, you use mayonnaise. Now, mayonnaise is mostly oil. It's an emulsion of oil and eggs and a little lemon juice and some salt. And that's pretty much it. Um, so mayo, if you think of it as thick oil, it does a decent job of sealing in moisture. It does a decent job of keeping uh, meat, especially good for fish, from sticking. And what's ironic is, is mayo doesn't have a lot of flavor on its own. And when you put it on food on the grill, much of it melts and drips off. You can't taste that you've used mayo. Um, I've not tried it on a steak or a brisket or anything like that. I know Clint Cantwell, who's our general manager and writes for my website and is really smart. He likes it as a binder. The <laughs> whole idea of a binder is, is if you've got a piece of meat and you want to put a rub or a spice on it, you want it to stick and you don't want that expensive rubber spice to splatter and fall off. So what a lot of people do is they put something on there as a binder. Um, mustard is a popular one. It doesn't add mustard flavor. Um, again, the flavor compounds in mustard, it's, it, it, it's a small amount of mustard powder, which is ground up mustard seed with either water or vinegar or both. And again, much of it drips off. Um, 
If you want a mustard flavor, go get Coleman's mustard in a can and sprinkle that stuff on. That's pretty damn potent. Um, that's what's in your Chinese mustard in the Chinese carryouts. Um, mayonnaise works the same. Um, ketchup, you could use ketchup. I just typically, I will go over to the sink and wet my hands under the running water and just pat the meat with water and <laughs> sprinkle the rub on and most of it sticks and away I go. Um, water works just fine as a binder to hold it on. Well, now we know, and I have to say, Joe did a great job of breaking down the whole process last week. And in the final analysis, he said he was a big fan. He thought that the bark was some of the best that he's ever done. It developed nicely, but it never got really hard or really crispy. It was something that it was agreeable to his palate. So I think we're uh, putting a nice bow on the mayo as a binder on brisket trend that I started, of course, and nobody else did. So, uh, and of course, now we've debunked all the myths and you know everything about water pans. Uh, in the meantime, Meathead is working on this book that he's talking about. Maybe we'll talk about that next month. And if you have any questions, you go to amazingribs.com. But on the second Tuesday of every month, you come right here to the Barbecue Central show and listen to Meathead talk all about hot live fire barbecue and grilling shenanigans and tomfoolery with me, your humble host. Meathead, always appreciate the time, and we will see you in September. See you in September. That's right. Meathead might be for bar season four of the Barbecue Central shows, American Idol. I mean, who's who's about that? I'm about that. Meathead likes to sing, obviously. He's a crooner. Chuck Blount is ready to go in the green room. Before we do that, Green Mountain Grills is making some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. You have two different lines to choose from, a choice line, a prime line. Choice line, not a lot of options there, right? You have a Daniel Boone size, which is pretty much going to accommodate most size families, especially if you're not throwing huge parties. If you do throw huge parties and you want to save some money, buy a pair of them. It's not going to break the bank. You don't have app connectivity. You don't have Wi-Fi. You don't have internal meat probes. You just have a really solid cooker that can go out there on your patio, on your deck, something you can be proud of. Now, if you want to spend a couple hundred extra more dollars, you want some lights inside there so you can see during the nighttime. If you want some peek-in windows, if you want Wi-Fi, if you want to be able to control that cooker from an app, Primeline, that's what you want. Best to see them in person. Look at them online, of course. Wet your whistle, but best to see them in person. Only sold through dealers, so go to GreenMountainGrills.com. Find a dealer near you, and then check them out. Ask the salesperson about all the stuff that you need to know about. He'll help you get outfitted with the one that best fits your needs. And then you know everything about it. Get it home. You'll have success right away. If you need some accessories, if they don't have them at the dealer, you can go to GreenMountainGrills.com. Buy all the accessories that you need there and complete the GMG experience. Might be a collector's item sooner than later. Maybe. Depending. I don't know. But if you're in the market, why not give them a shout? GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we're back with Chuck Blount right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. 
the Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment in his monthly spot, second Tuesday of the month. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. Don't forget that new predictive portion that's been rolled out as well. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. Fireboard, fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. My next guest is the barbecue and food writer for the San Antonio News Express. We have a lot to talk about. So we race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Chuck Blount. Hey, Chuck. Hey, hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. I am good, good to hear from you. Appreciative that you are making time for the show and a little bit of a last second type theme here, but always appreciate the Texas point of view. There's always things going on in the barbecue and grilling world when it comes to Texas. Of course, Texas fancying itself as the Shangri-La of barbecue across this great country and globe of ours first things first chuck the last time you were on we had quite a conversation about smoked hamburgers becoming a menu at barbecue restaurants we talked at length about it why it was going to be a good thing and then right at the end we said "Meh, is this thing going to be long lasting is it going to be a thing ongoing or is it going to be a flash in the pan so couple months removed from that initial conversation that we had how are you seeing smoked hamburgers on barbecue menus well it, it's still in its in its infancy um i can tell you that i personally am doing it now uh i, I i'll smoke the burgers and everything like that but uh the it, it, it's it's still in its infancy and i don't know why because it should be something that uh, I think should have really taken off even more than it has. Mm. And, and, and I can't just speak for Texas. I, I, I would speak for the entire um, barbecue community and that, you know, it, this is, this is a huge window of, of potential that, you know, people should start doing and, you know, in their own personal cooking and definitely in the restaurant scene. But, uh, yeah, we're still not quite there yet, but, uh, I think, I, I, I think it is going to be something that is going to be in the next big wave of barbecue. We're coming sure. to the end of summer. Well, I mean, not for Texas, of course, but here in Cleveland, it's bound to be winter here in the next two to three weeks. If we're getting it to the end of what traditional summer is, uh, Labor Day, Will typically signify the end of barbecue and grilling season for a lot of folks that actually put their grills away, if you can believe it. So if it's not happening now, does that mean it's going to happen Memorial Day next year or through next summertime? I, I, I really don't know because I think we are, uh, I think we've had 60 days in a row of like 100 degree temperatures in San Antonio. <laughs> so, so like, it's like summer never is going to end. So I can't, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but it, uh, you know, what, what the reason, I mean, the, the flavor profile that obviously, you know, we always smoke brisket, you know, we smoke the, you know, the, the ribs, we smoke all these other cuts. There's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be able to impart those same flavors into ground beef, especially the ground beef that has the fats in it 
and because you know smoke does really well with fatty meat and and it just all, all I'm saying is people should be trying this and this should be a a, a really a really big thing and, and, and you know and then smoke the burger and then finish it off on a hot you know on a hot skillet or on a grill and you're good to go but uh but uh for whatever reason I don't know that's it's like there's that um it's like there it's like there's this line of you know do you want to be a barbecue restaurant or do you want to be a burger restaurant and you know you can't serve two masters but if you try it the the results are fantastic and and I mean who doesn't want who doesn't want a good burger I mean even if you're there for for barbecue also so I don't know I don't know I don't know but I'm telling you right now this is my prediction this is going to be the next big thing in barbecue and I could be wrong but I don't think I am Chuck Blount doubling down so, on smoked burgers being a thing I for as much as you had run, I mean, you were really convincing me through that article. And then, of course, after we had talked about it here on the show the last time, I thought it was just going to be something that we might be reading about regularly. There'd be Instagram pictures at the most famous spots in Texas now unveiling their version of whatever a smoked burger is going to be. But we haven't really seen that yet. But Chuck Blount doubling down from the San Antonio Express I'm News. And you can follow him on Twitter at Chuck underscore Blount, B-L-O-U-N-T. Go ahead and finish up there. Well, yeah, no, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I absolutely am convinced that this is going to be the next thing in barbecue. So I'm, I'm, I'm tripling down, sir. I'm tripling, tripling down. down. All right. Tripling down, yeah. as it were, doubling down under protest, but tripling down, no doubt about it. Next story is. I, 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 I double, I double dog dare you. I double uh, dog dare you. All right. I see where we're going. <laughs> a little Christmas story nuance here, which I certainly love and appreciate. Terry Black's barbecue has moved or added a new location to what some consider to be the barbecue mecca of Texas. Not Austin, although a lot of people think that. Lockhart. Now, not only do we have a fairly long-standing feud that has been there between uh, Smitty's, Kreutz Market. I don't know if a lot of people know the, the history of that, but you have some brothers who were the, the restaurant operators. Then you had the sister that owned the building slash restaurant. They referred to her as the landlady, and there was this cost increase that's going to be happening, and now they're going four-tenths of a mile down the road and opening up uh, the, the new version of the restaurant. And then there's going to be this lady's husband is going to be opening up a new barbecue restaurant where the old one was going to be. So there's that whole feud that's been going on and that's gone back a number of years, maybe even decades at this point, but there could be a new feud coming into town. You have blacks barbecue already in town. Well-known Terry blacks barbecue. These two brothers are now moving to Lockhart. What do you think about a new feud, a, a brewing in Lockhart? Well, I mean, I, I mean, you hit the nail uh, on the head in there and that, yeah, this, Tiny little town of, I don't know, what is it, 10,000 people maybe that live in Lockhart? And uh, it's, yeah, they're, it's uh, this nonstop feuding of, of barbecue blood. And uh, I, you actually broke the news to me about Terry Black's going to, to Lockhart. But, uh, you know, yeah, the, the, 
you know, the history of between Kreitz market and Smitty's market is so well documented. And, you know, you do have the original Black's barbecue and then Terry Black's. Um, I'm curious, I'm curious to see how that's going to unfold because Terry Black's does have a pretty good reputation already in Texas. Uh, you know, of course the original Black's, I think, I, I did a story about this a while back, but I, I, I believe, I believe Black's barbecue, the original Black's barbecue is the longest run barbecue joint in the state of in the state. And, you know, they, they, I don't care what anybody says. And I've taken some heat on this. Uh-oh. Yeah. There's Austin. Yeah. There's San Antonio. There's, you know, Houston, there's all sorts of barbecue destinations. I still get goosebumps when I enter the Lockhart city limits. Hmm. It, there's just something, spe- there's something special to it. And, you know, they, they cook with the, they, they, you know, they go old school with the, with the, you know, the fire coals, you know, and, and they're just scooping those hot coals into the fire. And, you know, you, you, you go into a place like Smitty's and, you're wondering like, man, it feels like my feet are on fire. And that's because as you're standing in line, you are two feet away from literally the, 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 the fire that is mating their pits, old school meats, shoulder clod, you know, they make their own, they all make their own sausage. And I'm going to be really curious. I actually um, think I probably need to go back up there and I'm going to be curious to see where Terry Black's fits into that scheme. And, you know, they also have Chisholm, Chisholm uh, Trail Barbecue, which is another really, really good place that it's, that's, that's where they, they claim the locals go. It's not, the, you know, the tourists that are on a barbecue pilgrimage or anything like that. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there, I don't know. There must be something about the water in Lockhart where um, people want to just fight. <laughs> I don't want to fight about barbecue, and uh, but uh, hey, you know, in the end, the customer always wins, though, right? I mean, if everybody's trying to outdo everybody else, uh, it, it, it you just want to eat the best barbecue barbecue you can, and it, it's definitely a it's definitely a bucket list trip, a, de- a bucket list town. That if you're really serious into barbecue, you've got to be there at least once. I, I mean, you got to you, you got to. I didn't realize that the Terry Black's barbecue owners have, I don't know if this is their second or third location that they have open right now, but throughout Texas, as you dig a little deeper into this article I was reading, they have nine other properties uh, across Texas that they currently own. Not all of them are going to be housing whatever the newest version of Terry Black's barbecue is going to be in whatever town they're in or have property acquired. Maybe it's going to be a different concept, uh, but wherever that land is that they have currently fits or meets whatever criteria Terry Blacks could go into, then they're going to put one in there. I had no idea that they were looking to grow on scale like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're I've definitely, I, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of at least three locations I think of Terry Blacks. And, and so, uh, I think there's one in San Marcos and, uh, uh, I think there's one in Austin and, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, it, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely that, you know, they must be doing something right. You know, the fact that they can expand that the way that they're doing it. And, but, you know, I, you know, I, I keep going back to it in, in that in the end, if you're a barbecue enthusiast, uh, 
you're you're a winner regardless. I mean, whatever whatever the whatever the fights are for business, you know, that's that's uh, that's of no concern to you as a as a customer. You're you're just there to eat good barbecue and and hopefully it just keeps elevating the the scale to where you know it gets better and better and better. And which Texas is it's really amazing. I mean, we our growth in barbecue is is so amazing. Like, I, I mean, I swear I write about a new barbecue joint that's opening up every other week, even still in this economy. I mean, it just, it, I don't see any end to it either because, um, p- you know, people love to do it. People love to eat it. And the, you know, from food trucks to brick and mortars and everything in between, uh, there's no stopping uh, what what's going on right now. But other than the the costs of the product has really gone up. We'll talk about that uh, here in one second. Let me ask you about another story that was breaking over the last couple of days. And this goes obviously to the quality of briskets that are being prepared in Texas as well. Famed barbecue location, La Barbecue, has been stolen from, again, I believe this makes the fifth time. There were 20 briskets that were being uh, cold smoked. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but some process that they do over there. They cut the locks off the smokers as they were going overnight, stole 20 briskets. I've seen totals ranging somewhere between the mid $2,000 all the way up to $3,200 and total value for all this why is is the barbecue specific to this thievery or are there also other barbecue locations that have been stolen from oh oh it it that has been shockingly a regular story down hmm. here in texas and i i don't know who is buying black market meat Uh, maybe they're keeping it and vacuum packing it and they don't have to worry about briskets for the next year i don't know but we had a string here in san antonio where um where uh barbecue joints were regularly getting broken into and there was even a place uh i don't know if you've heard about it or not but it's uh two brothers barbecue uh, that's a really well-known place here in San Antonio. Somebody even stole, like they had like old school, uh, cattle, bra- uh, branding irons, like in their pit and somebody stole those and there were video. Yeah. We, yeah. We, uh, we ran a bunch of stories on them was, we, we called them the brisket bandits wow. and, and, and we did it, 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 it is a thing. I, I don't get it because, you know, a lot of, I, I just don't know who is buying a, a brisket from somebody out of a truck that says, you know, hey, where they don't know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, I got, I got, I got a guy, I got a guy. And, and, and it's not like, I mean, if you're going to steal from La barbecue, which is a really, really good barbecue joint. Yeah. What it's not, I, I mean, I don't think these briskets are fully cooked or finished or anything like that, but um, I, it, 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 it just, it's, I guess it's a unique thing to the barbecue business in that it takes so long to cook the meats and it takes, you know, people, 
I think they maybe they do. Maybe they case the joints and say, well, where do they store their meat at? Where you know, where do we put it? I don't. I really don't know. And that's actually a really good idea. And that maybe that's a story I need to continue to work on. But that was definitely a thing in San Antonio for a while. And you know, uh, I imagine it's it's a thing everywhere. And the fact that La Barbecue, you know, got hit up to that degree. I mean couple thousand bucks is pretty substantial cut, you know, to your, to your business, uh, for sure. No doubt about it, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's a weird story for sure. But all I know is if, if somebody pulls up to my house in a truck and they say, Chuck, uh, I got a brisket for you for $35, I'm going to have some questions. And, yeah. uh, so. <laughs> coach purse in the back of that I, truck no not coach purse it's a brisket how about that yeah sounds great uh talking about brisket here uh, last question before i let you go tonight i appreciate the time per pound brisket now approaching 30 dollars. where does it end you know what i i don't know um I've never owned a barbecue business or much less a restaurant. I just write about them and frequent them. But there was a guy at Austin. He had this uh, he had this sports bar, and and all he did was sell beer and and cheeseburgers. And he he made the point that he said, you know, at some point he goes, I can't charge twenty six dollars for a cheeseburger at a dive bar. Or I can't, you know, I, I use, but, but for me to be able to pay my rent and to pay my bills, that, that's pretty much what I have to do. And about six years ago, in this was a little bit different in like, like Franklin and in Austin, they, I think they were, they were probably one of the first ones to go 20 bucks a pound. And about, yeah, six years, five, six years ago in, in San Antonio, we got to, we, we finally started seeing $20 a pound for brisket. And all of a sudden, you know, with all these new places that are opening the other day, I saw a place that on day one, day one of business. So they were unproven. They, you know, nobody knew where they were and yeah, $30 a pound for brisket. Now, we're we're talking about a cut of meat that got popular because nobody wanted it and it was cheap and you know it it, it had all the fat and everything like that well $30 a pound you can you can get like a you know a really top grade ribeye steak yeah, for that yeah. so it 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 it, it i i, I I, like again, I don't understand. I understand what it takes to keep the doors open, and you have to make money, and it's a time-consuming meat, and you sell out, and you you can only cook so much based on the size of your pit. But I think we're at that breaking point. I mean, people will start saying pound, no at some point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, instead of getting a pound of brisket, you know. I think people might be dialing back and saying, you know what, give me the, you know, give me the one third pound brisket sandwich or something like that. So like in Texas, what we, you know, what we always do is it was counter ordering, 
you order it by the pound and you got your sides and everything was, everything's on a big sheet of, of butcher paper and everything like that. And, um, I, I, I don't think it's, um, out of the realm of possibility to see that that culture might be disappearing because mm. you, you don't go to a barbecue restaurant and expect to pay, you know, $120 for lunch, yep. you know, for a family of four. And, and, and that it's getting that way. And, and, and again, I'm very sympathetic towards everything, everybody involved in, in, you know, the supply chain and, uh, and, and the restaurant owners trying to make a living and everything like that. But $30 a pound for brisket wow. is a lot of money. Chuck Blount joining and, us here on the show from the San Antonio Express News talking about $30 a pound for brisket and you can read Chuck's workings over there at the website. Of course, San Antonio express news, Chuck always appreciate the time and all the breakdown of the stuff we're talking about here this evening. And we'll do it again soon. All right. Thank you, sir. You got it. There he is. Chuck Blount right there from the San Antonio express news. I'm with him. My head's spinning at $30 a pound for brisket. That's a no for me. I'll take the pulled pork to go. Times two, times three. Ribs are good. You know what else is good? Yoder Smokers, building and designing all their pits right here in the States, building pride through craftsmanship, world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. The approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fueled offsets and charcoal smokers, Consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and their team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products, defines the integrity of the core values, American-made quality, and endless flavor. Those are the benchmarks of Yoder Smoker's. Visit Yodersmokers.com today. See what they have. Find a dealer near you, and they're... Inventory is going quick, so act quickly if you want one. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host. Greg Rampey. And we thank Chuck Blount again from the San Antonio Express News for joining us last segment. This portion of the show brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes. With a host of accessories, whether you're a beginner or a professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them Barbecue Central Show sent you. They will certainly appreciate that. I will certainly appreciate that as well. All right. Meathead was talking about water pan myths, so if you missed that, you can get the podcast tomorrow. And we were just joined by Chuck Blount covering a host of new Texas news items. $30 a pound for brisket. That's something that's happening on the regular, becoming the standard operating procedure or business practice. We also talked about the barbecue getting 20 briskets stolen out of their cookers. And he's now tripling down that smoked burgers will be a thing sooner than later. Didn't really take off a couple months ago when he first brought it up after we talked about it 
on a story he had written for the San Antonio News Express, but we'll see how it goes from here. Refreshed libations. We're headed to the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.